Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the At Black Box Podcast. My name is Robbie Soto. I'm your host for this evening, along with my co-host, as always, Tim Vinson. Hey, everybody. And along with our other co-host, Mr. John Hall's back in the house. How's it going, John? Doing all right. How about you? Oh, can't complain. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon in downtown Hagerstown at the At Black Box Podcast. And we have a very, very special guest here in studio. You may have seen her as Vi Moore in Footloose at the Maryland Theater. You also may have seen her as one of the Silly Girls in Beauty and the Beast or Sandy in Greece, the one, the only, Miss Alicia Stab. What's going on, Alicia? Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. It is an absolute honor to have you here in studio at the Act Black Box I'm studio. Excited to be here. I feel like we need an applause sound effect. <laughs> Tim, get on that. That's I'm getting on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> so we are here today. This is our third episode. If you've been tuning in, you know that you know that we have a guest come in every week. And this week we have brought in the incredible Alicia Stout, who I have been privileged enough to be seen partners with on a couple of occasions now, um, and was also the music director for the absolutely incredible performance this weekend of Frozen Junior from our two-week intensive. So thank you so much for joining us. We're going to get into all of that here today. First of all, you know what? Let's be a little less formal here today. Let's just go around and see how everybody's doing. We're all friends here. Tim, how are you doing, man? Um, You know, I'm really tired. <laughs> we had Heathers back-to-back with Frozen. Um, I have... Filled my Google Drive and my phone drive with videos, uh, you know, doing historian work for both. And I have a lot of work to do this week now that we're not in the middle of the show. But I'm good. I'm good. Good, man. John, what about you? Uh, just craziness. Academically, I'm, I'm starting a new job. And right. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so Hopefully I'll be there with you. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, <laughs> as, as a teacher. And finishing up a couple of classes tonight, I've still got to write a paper, but life is good. You yeah. know, it's it's crazy, but a good crazy. That's good. Being being a little bit of crazy is a good thing, right? Yeah. We don't want too much normal. Alicia, tell tell our audience a little about you. Where do you come from? What have you been doing? How'd you find Act and Fall in Love with us? Um, so I've been around I've been around this area my whole life. I grew up in Mercersburg. I went to James Buchanan. Um I'm a teacher. I teach full-time at Grace Academy. I'm a music, uh, music teacher there. So I teach pre-K through 12th, general music, pre-K through 5th, and then I have two choirs, my middle school and high school choir, and then I have an honor choir that I do with my upper elementary kids. Maybe you don't have anything going on. No. you know, Well, not right now, but starting on Thursday, I do. Um, I'm a mom, wife, you know, all that stuff. Um, I have been around ACT since 2014. I started um, with a student of mine auditioned for Annie and encouraged me to come out and audition with her. That was Caroline. Mm -hmm. And she She played our Annie. She did play Annie, yes. And I came out and auditioned for Grace and Hannigan Mm -hmm. and ended up getting the role of Miss, uh, or Grace. And that's kind of got where I got started with ACT. Um, and then that same summer, I got involved with SIFTA. Mm-hmm. And so I taught SIFTA camp for, I think, three or four years. Um, and then I took a pause from that after I had my daughter. And waited. I waited forever after Annie for ACT to do more community theater. And it, there was a couple year kind of hiatus in between there. And then right around the time you guys started doing stuff again... I was pregnant and about to have my daughter, so I couldn't get involved then. And then um, the year after that, I popped into Greece. 
Awesome. So, yeah. And you've been around ever since, gracing the stage at the Maryland Theater, uh, mm-hmm. helping uh, most recently. This was your first MD position with yeah. us, is that correct? Outside of SIFTA. Yeah, right? outside of SIFTA, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, So we'll, we'll talk about that experience here in a little bit sure. and, and how things were with Frozen, but it's so great to have you. It's great to have you around and on stage. Um, so we're going to, let, let's jump into our first topic here of the day. Now, full disclosure, everybody said not to start with them. So I'm starting with <laughs> the exact person who told me not to start with them <laughs> because it's fun for me. Tim, if you got to write a play or musical about any subject, Ooh. what would you write about and why? Um, so I, I actually do write scripts. It's something that I have been trying to improve my skill on. And the one challenge that I've been actually spending a lot of time, um, it's not like a specific subject. It's more just like a genre that is not very common in theater. But like, I've been diving a lot into like writing horror and like writing how you can create horror and aspects of horror from a technical standpoint how characters in a stage production would emote to a horrific situation. Um, And it's hard. It's really tough because, you know, that's a lot of untapped emotions that you don't see a lot in theater. So I think that, like, as I continue writing, it's definitely something that I want to dive a lot more into is just that, like, scary, horrific side of theater that you can really do a lot of really cool stuff with. So that was half the answer. What specific mm-hmm. subject though, Tim? Like what? Oh gosh, what, so what event? What subject? <laughs> what like? Would you do like a? Uh, and you can't take this one. Would you do like a Friday the Thirteenth musical oh, or stage play? Oh, oh, I don't know. Freddy um, the musical, right? Nightmare on Street the musical. See, and now it Freddy comes out with the title song. I'm yeah, in dreams. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna do, oh, if yeah. we're gonna do a musical, it's got to be something like super campy, kind of like Evil Dead. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Evil Dead the musical, or like Silence of the Lambs the musical. Those are both actual musicals that are really. They're they're very comedic. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs like, was awful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it like it would be kind of hard though to do like a Texas chainsaw massacre the musical like it would just be really like oh have you ever seen the original movie yeah of course of course someone screaming the entire just sort of a whole show with someone just standing and yeah and it would be very very glum but if we were doing a play like music aside i think you could do any of those or you could come up with an original idea like i i've been really trying to tap into like how you could do like really good special effects and like really cool stage effects on like making things that really catch the audience by surprise like right now what i'm trying to work on is i want to make a wall in front of a wall where things can come from behind that like flat it would be a flat in front of an actual wall where things can come in and out of that actual flat but from a flat view like from where the audience is sitting it just looks like something is coming out of thin air i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to figure out how to make that happen though so that's what i've been currently working on but no, I love horror, and I think it works really well in the medium of plays. And I mean, there's musicals like Carrie where it's it's less comedic, more serious, and you still get that effect. But then it's like, then, you know, that's all ballads. There's not a lot of group numbers with something like that. I've seen Final Destination of Music. Oh. 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 That'd, be, that'd be fun. 
Just I, giant logs just flying through I, the audience. I still think it'd be great to see it, I'm in your dreams a ballad by Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I'll start writing. I, I think it would just be fun. I like it. I, it would be fun. There would have to be a kick line at some point in the show. <laughs> just because. Just because. It's just like Freddy Krueger, like sweater and all, but he's wearing like high heels and fishnets. Oh, I like it. <laughs> You have to take it there. That's a whole other church. (laughs) John, what about you? All right, so, you know, some of the historical shows about figures like Hamilton, very successful, you know, kind of shines a spotlight on unknown parts of history, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, I think that's pretty cool in the history book. I think it would be cool to do a show that has a lot of opportunity for spectacle and special effects on stage as well as some uh, deep emotional experiences and you could interweave a lot of characterization so what am i talking about the burning of the library of alexandria right way back in the day a couple thousand years ago Mm -hmm. we had this bastion of knowledge the library of alexandria where a lot of people don't realize it wasn't just a library they had a whole menagerie a zoo out in the Mm -hmm. you know behind it that was absolutely massive Anytime anybody brought a ship into dock at Alexandria, before they were able to unload, scribes would go on, get any scrolls they had, any knowledge they had, take it back to the library, copy it down, and then the people on the ships would get those copies, the library would keep the original, mm-hmm. and that would be that. So they had everything. You know, they wow. had, and unfortunately, it, it was burned down over the course of a while. It wasn't even just one big event like everybody kind of thinks. It mm-hmm. was over the course of a period of time, but so much was lost there. And I think the opportunity for big numbers from that big zoo and all the different things that are in the library would be possible. And then you could have the scribes talking about what they're doing in there and have some relationship stuff going on there. And I don't know, it'd be pretty cool. That would be neat. Yeah, that's fantastic. That'd be really cool. It was so specific. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the, the burning itself, though, I mean, I'm picturing some really cool stuff yeah, on the stage. Right? That'd be really neat. Alicia, what about you? Oh, I'm going Mom Life the Musical. Oh, <laughs> the Musical. I could just see the the comedy in that. But there would also be some real serious uh-huh. stuff. You know, Mom... Mom life is tough. There's yeah. a lot of women who can relate to that. Now, right. would, would the mom in the show have like a a 17 year old, a 10 year old, and like a two year old? So that way you see like all the different like either one mom with it all, or you have like different moms right, or right. Like different okay. stages of mom life. Uh-huh. So I'm picturing a number where you've got one mom talking about being a chauffeur. One mom talking yes. about being a doctor, one mom talking about being a chef, and they all start just singing over top yep. of each other until it's yes. this giant cacophony of everybody listing all of these different jobs and rapid <laughs> oh, yes. yes, it just becomes absolute chaos, but it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. That I would. think that could be a great comedy. Right. You heard it first here, folks. That's right. And it would be an amazing op- it would be an amazing opportunity to give a lot of women who maybe don't fit into like classic like musical theater roles that we're seeing right yeah. now like on Broadway and off Broadway like it could it give a great opportunity yes. for a lot of those people to just fill this in. It's my age range now. So <laughs> <laughs> this is an opportunity for me to start. Get writing, get writing. The showstopper. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> 
If someone doesn't do it, it would be real sad. So yeah. that'd be fun. Somebody out there needs to catch that idea. I don't know if one exists, but I would love to see a Salem Witch Trials musical. That would oh, be really cool. good. I think that would be really neat. Again, just to, again going off of the the historical piece, and I, I can't think of them off the top of my head. There there probably is one somewhere. I mean, there's a I think there's a stage production of The Crucible, mm-hmm. which is essentially that. Right. Uh, but I don't think that's a musical. Yeah, I, I think it would be really cool, and like I feel like uh, having that tragic ending with a witch that's tied up, getting burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. And given like that final like last ballad reprise, yes. like you know, you know what I mean. Like I think that would be really neat um, and and kind of a cool story that people can attach to. Uh-huh. Almost almost something that could be an instant cult classic for yeah. people who really because there are a, there is a large community of people who really uh, do a lot of research into the Salem witch trials and are very interested in it. But it's in my opinion one it's it's not as documented or as uh, there aren't many documentaries about it that are out right now. I mean, I, I peruse on Netflix and Hulu and, and uh, Peacock and, and YouTube TV. There's not much on their documentary list about the Salem Witch Trials. And I was actually thinking about today as I was looking for something to watch. And uh, I think it'd be really cool to see something like that. Yeah. Fun fact, they actually hanged most of the witches uh-huh. and even hanged a couple of dogs. Oh. Yep. dogs that were witches? You know, why not? Poor bitches. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think, you know... The dog or the witches? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of shows that go out that, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of revivals, especially, like, right before COVID. So mm-hmm. it's more revivals. It's, it's you know, stuff from you know, movies and Hollywood and... You know, there. I would love to see a, a truly original idea, yeah. um, kind of brought to Broadway with the same kind of vigor as as a King Kong when when that travesty was on Broadway or Spider Man we talked about last week with with Jeremy. Or, you know, or bringing back shows like The Music Man or My Fair Lady or you know Oklahoma or West Side Story reimagined. I'd rather see something more original, something something different that really hasn't been done before. Yeah. But I feel like there are too many people who are scared to, to try something new and, and obviously take the financial risk and the financial burden on for something that right. you know they can go back and be like, oh, Oklahoma was huge in 1972. Right, right. And it, it, I agree with you. I think that, you know, like what I always say is that with theater, there, there are two key elements to any theatric production. There's atmosphere and there's story. And what a lot of the shows that we're seeing right now have is great atmosphere, but lack great story, or it's a classic story with like, I guess a revamped atmosphere. But like, there's something so magical about a fantastic original story that you have no idea what you're walking into. You just heard, hey, this is a great musical, go see it. You go in, the story is original and fantastic. The atmosphere brings something new to the table. Like, I just, we don't see that a lot. We just see people who are like, okay, let's take a story that everybody knows because it was a movie 10 years ago and let's just spend a lot of money on the props mm-hmm. and the sets and the costumes. Which I think is just wrong. I don't, I, don't, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's room for that, of course, to of bring course, some yeah. of those shows back, some things that you know, maybe a generation hasn't seen before. Um, you know, not every show is going to be like Phantom and Broad or uh, Phantom and Lion King that have been on, you know, and Wicked that have been on Broadway for a hundred years. Um, and every generation has had an opportunity to, to see it. 
Um, you know, but you know, so so bringing back you know a show here and there, I think is uh, is important. But again, not many original ideas that that mm-hmm. have been that have been successful anyway. A lot of Disney, a lot of you know this film, that film. Um, you know that they turned into a musical. Or I just, I would, I just love for something different. So Broadway producers, if you're listening, and uh, speaking of Broadway producers, Constantine Marulis will be in the house August 21st. He's coming down. He's going to be teaching a class along with Tice Green. He's bringing Billy back to play piano for him. Very excited for the opportunity. August 21st. Um, if you're listening to this before then, get your tickets. Get your opportunity to meet. The American Idol sensation and two-time Tony nominee, as well as a Broadway producer, uh, on Saturday, August twenty-first. Don't miss your opportunity to see and meet Constantine. But again, it might be a good idea for Connie. You never know. So yeah. I'll, uh, you know, I'll drop a couple hints in his ear. See what he has to say. Yeah. Who knows, Tim? Maybe you might be writing a Broadway show here soon. Who knows? Who knows? You never know. It's all about who you know. At least ninety percent of it is. Yeah, so. that's for sure. Definitely, definitely a big help. So um, let's talk Frozen Junior. This Saturday, this past Saturday, uh, the, uh, August 14th, live at the Maryland Theater, 38 kids came um, to a two-week intensive camp. We talked about it last week and how it went and it culminated on Saturday for a performance in front of over 520 people um, awesome. that attended the show. Um so we have Alicia here, who was the music director for that show, and we're going to talk a little bit about the process, how everything went, what was it like working with the kids, how challenging was it. So we're going to get into all that here. John's son played Kristoff. Um, I was there uh, pretty much all week, you know, just kind of checking in, seeing what I could do to help. Tim was taking pictures. It was incredible to see. So Alicia, as the music director, what was the most difficult thing about this show, what was the most difficult thing to get done? Well, honestly, I was the kids really surprised me with how much they were able to get done. I think the hardest thing is, and just for me, because I come from teaching choir, and with musical theater, it's much more about carrying your own weight, even though you're in a huge ensemble and there's tons of people singing around you, you don't have the comfort of standing in one spot with a whole bunch of people surrounding you singing the same vocal part as you. And so the hardest part is just relying on kids to do their part and give them that responsibility and say like, I am trusting you to carry this. And of course we relied on a lot of the older ones to be able to do that. And some of them were fabulous and did an amazing job at carrying the parts. Of course, I'm just speaking from like a vocal perspective. Really, honestly, though, in general, everything. Um, you got some awesome kids who are some really phenomenal leaders, just in general, great leadership qualities. Um, but yeah, I would say that was probably the most difficult part. It's just entrusting them to be individual and to carry the load that they have to carry individually in musical theater. It's all. It's a totally different world than choir kids and that's I mean that's what I'm used to dealing with no it it definitely is and I think one of the biggest struggles that we've had with this program not really struggles but one of the challenges that we have is the time frame I mean we're literally taking something that we do in 12 or 14 weeks and we crunch it down to a yeah. two-week time period. Now, again, they're with us all day, not like when we do it for, you know, 12 weeks where we get them about six hours or so a week, um, you know, but 
it we we take it and we just crunch everything down um which whenever we came up with the idea i remember the board's uh the board director's uh, uh hesitation was can the kids do it right can can kids pull this off um and it's amazing i said last week it's amazing what can happen when you take that crutch away from the kids oh yeah and i was really impressed it's because it, they'll answer the call they'll answer the challenge if you give it to them Again, I think, John, you were talking about how you were on vacation and, and your son Gideon was on the beach looking at a script yeah. because he knew he only had a couple weeks. Yeah, there's um, a lot of pressure there. And yeah. he didn't want to be the only one at that first rehearsal uh, to not have his lines memorized. Right. Like, you know, he, he wanted to look good in front of everybody. Sure. And he also knew that once it all started, he'd be learning the music and right. the dance. And if he had to also learn the lines, Ain't nobody got time for that, so he better get that done ahead of time, and he took it seriously. I told the kids after auditions, I said, you know, once you find out what your part is, I said, I know what my expectation is. My expectation is that you come in already knowing your stuff. Whatever you can possibly absorb Mm -hmm. before you walk in the door that first Monday... I am, I, as a music director, I'm sure Jeremy and um, Megan, at the other uh, the director and the choreographer, if I'm ever coming back and doing this again, whether it be like a 12-week show or another camp or something, I'm looking at who is picking up their parts, who can I trust to mm-hmm. come back and do this in any other show. And I'm sure even, because some of these kids are going to age up into community theater, mm-hmm. who can you trust in these older kids who are going to be able to carry the same weight that these adults are carrying. Well, I think that's really key um, is, is what you just said, is that we're going to remember who is able to answer that yep. challenge. Um, and we talked about it with, uh, uh, I believe it was Brittany Atwater and Jen Dickin on the first episode. If you haven't listened, go back and listen. You know, some of those things where it's tough to, whenever you're casting somebody, casting the same people. And we talked about how, yeah, of course, there's going to be times where you go with the person you trust. Right. And in this case, especially with the two-week intensive where it's grades, what, 3 through 12 or second through 12, something like that, where you're going to look at some of those kids and say, I don't think this one can do it in two weeks. And that's that's going to be right. a deciding factor, unfortunately. I will say for me, though, because this is my fr- I haven't been involved with, like, SIFTA for a few years, so I don't know. There's a couple kids, like Maddie Duncan, I remember, like, mm-hmm. from my years way back. Um, but a lot of these kids are new since mm-hmm. I've been around. And so for me, most of these kids I don't know personally. So I didn't know, you know, am I going to be able to trust this kid? So, I mean, from the music perspective, from just looking at the kids when they were auditioning, it was solely like, who do I think is strong, excuse me, strong enough as a singer that's going to be able to carry the vocal parts or the solos or whatever. Um, But yeah, I, 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 if you're involved in it longer, you know which kids you can trust. But yeah. now that I've done it once, you know, if I ever come back and do it again, I'm going to look at those same kids and be like, yeah, I'm going to get, I, I know I can trust this kid. Now, I will say the, the two week time frame sounds really scary, but there is a certain advantage to it too, because, yeah. you know, when you're doing a rehearsal once a week or twice a week, you've got those down days where, yes, they learn their part, but three or four days later without looking at it, they've lost half of it. Whereas once you get that ball rolling with the two-week intensive, you're there five days a week, seven hours a day, there's no time to lose it. It's just go, 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 and it really cements in their mind. So certain amount of uh, 
of a benefit to that. Yeah. Well, I definitely think that with uh, with the two week intensive and uh, exactly what you said, there's there's I also think there's a little pressure, good pressure that's yeah. put on these kids to. I only have two weeks. They don't get to go home and be like, ah, oh, we don't go up for 12 weeks or 10 weeks, whatever, no big right. deal. But what a lot of the kids don't realize, which I think we learn as adult actors, is how many times has that has Tech Week really came up behind us and bit us right in the ass and been like, you hear the director always say, I know at ACT they always say it anyway, you have two rehearsals until Tech Week. It's like, what? <laughs> what, what did you just say? Yeah. Okay, well, that sucks. <laughs> I should probably open my script uh, for the first time. Um, but uh, but I think that's one of those things <laughs> where... Speak for yourself. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, but uh, the last few shows, I've been okay. Uh-huh. I've, been, I've been better than the past. But, I mean, I think it's one of those things where they realize they don't have time to, right. that they can waste. Um, and, again, it's that good little pressure. You know, that it's like sleeping with that weighted blanket, that little bit of pressure on there. It's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but I think that's important, too. Because, yeah. I, I mean, Tim, have you ever been to that point where you've been like, Oh shit! The show's in, in a week. Uh-oh. My tech week starts next Monday. Yes, I'm right there. You know, I I, I agree. Right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that with these kids, I think a lot of them spending time with them, I realized that a lot of them actually did understand. Like, oh, we're performing in front of at that at you know last week it was at 400 tickets, so mm-hmm. they knew right. they knew that people were buying tickets. People are spending real money to come see you. In a huge theater, and this is their first performance on this theater in over a year, almost two right. years, and it was a lot of pressure, but it was also like, you have a responsibility. Like John said, they're going right. seven hours, five days a week. That's a full-time job. Like, And you got to remember, some of these kids are seven years old. Uh-huh. Years oh, old. yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's tough for them. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the, sure, freshman, sophomore, in high school... It's kind of like a whole school day, right. sure, right. whatever, they can handle it a good bit better, but the, the young ones, you know, this is all new territory for them. Mm-hmm. Their attention spans yeah. may or may not be there, but at the end of the day, they did it, they got there, and mm-hmm. the show was amazing. These little yeah. kids were up there hitting their parts, hitting their lines, yeah. singing their songs, giving it their all. And the you know the girls out in the audience. There were so many girls dressed up as there were, yeah. Yeah. and they're looking at these kids on stage, yeah. wanting to be right. them. Right, you're right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was it was magic. Yeah, it, it was, and I think I think one of the, um, I'll say it. I was in the back, and I was I was doing the recording uh, for uh, for the kids. Yes, we have the rights through Disney to record the video, just for anyone calls anybody like we're thieves. <laughs> Um, but I was in the back and I was video recording the, the show and there were several moments where I could feel myself just like starting to whimper up a little bit and, 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 and I was just like, no, I hate kids. No, this is not, okay. <laughs> yeah. this is not, this is not a good thing for me. It was, and especially the younger, the younger kids really, really got me feeling emotional because for a lot of them, this was probably their first time, yeah. maybe in a show ever, maybe in a show this big ever, maybe on a stage this big ever. Yeah. And when they, when Brittany got the audience to applaud the second time during her opening speech and the kids got to actually hear just how many people were out there in that audience, these kids were jumping up and down. And then when, that, cur- when that curtain went down uh, at the end of the show... Every single one of them just screamed. Like, Aww. the excitement and the pride 
was just so beautiful. And I mean, you don't get a better opportunity than getting to lead a show on the Maryland theater stage at 13, 14 years old. Yeah. And only having to spend two weeks of your life putting that together. Well, not only that, but think about how many of them kids have performed a full-blown show in front of over 500 people. Right. Yeah. To begin with. Right. I mean, that's, right. that's massive. On one day. Yeah. But not only that, to be on that stage. Right. Yeah, there's something about being on the Maryland Theater stage. Yeah. And there's like there's a weight to it, honestly, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the audience size. When we did Footloose, there were only 100 people allowed to mm-hmm. be in the audience. But there's just something about that stage. Like, it's just the best place to be. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. There, there is. There's a, respo- there's a responsibility, I feel, like, when I'm on that stage, like, that I have to be on top of my game. No, yeah. and, and, and I think we, and we try to instill that into our junior kids because, yeah. You know, we let them know, like, look, this isn't this isn't something that comes around every day. What a lot of people don't realize is that for 30 years, there was no community theater uh-huh. in that building for nearly 30 years. Wow. Um, Act started in 2014. It was the first community theater yeah. um, to, to do a community theater show, a non-professional theater production at the Maryland Theater, um, which you were a part of, yeah. uh, which it was, it was a great show, but business-wise failed uh, uh, terribly. There's, it was, it was yeah. just an utter failure from a business standpoint. Um, and when we, when we went back in and renegotiate, we knew that's where we wanted to be. Right. It was just a matter of, can we make it smart business to where we can be financially beneficial uh, to us to do the shows there? Um, and that was my job when I first joined the board was to get that part taken care of. And it took over a year, uh, j- just over a year to figure that out yeah. and to get everything done. But we, we got it done, um, and have been there ever since. Um, and we went from doing a one show trial with the wizard of Oz to a three show season, to a five show season, to a seven show season with two summer camps that we do there every single year. We're in their building. 10 times a year yeah. um, not to mention all the things that we help them out on like when we do the the choreography for the greatest showman here in a couple of weeks uh, when we go uh, I think we're doing Caddyshack uh, we're you know sending send some actors over to do these little things to just help out um, and to be a part of, of the Maryland theaters um, you know entertainment that they that they provide the community at large on a regular basis but these kids get to be a part of that and sometimes I wonder and it, and it always scares me if they take that opportunity for granted, or if they just don't realize it yet and how big of a thing that is, um, I don't think they'll they, they'll understand until I don't know who's big now, Jojo Siwa, is she still a thing? <laughs> Maybe if Jojo Siwa comes and does something at the Maryland Theater, then they'll kind of see what it is, but to step on stage, <laughs> Step on the same cha- uh, stage as uh, George Carlin, Willie Nelson, B.B. Mm-hmm. Uh, King for uh, um, The Temptations. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the people that have performed there. I mean, did you see it all, at all this week? Did you see that almost like awestruck or are they kind of oblivious to all of that? Because I know I'm not oblivious. Every time I step on stage, I'm like, what am I doing right. here? Yeah. Why am I here? I yeah. How, how here. am I here right. is how right. I usually feel like, how did I? Yeah. Um, I think that, now I think that there are some kids who were like, wow, like, you know, this place is so big, it's so pretty. I think (laughs) when we did our tour, like, uh, when you do things as staff at the Moreland Theater, you always have to go through, like, a safety Mm -hmm. tour at, you know, when you first get in there. And so Brittany and Jeremy and Megan and I went in on that Monday morning that we started there, and I had not seen all of the renovations. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, they took us in that little, like, secret passageway that gets you, like, to the back. And we got to see, like, the big ballroom where they do, like, weddings and stuff. And I hadn't seen all that yet. And I was like, man, this place is, like, just freaking legit. Mm -hmm. Uh I mean, it's it's just impressive. And, like, when the kids went up to the – is it called the vision room? The The view. The view. When they went up there, like, they were like, wow, like, this room is so awesome. And they got to eat lunch in there every day, so that Mm -hmm. was nice. But I think there are definitely some kids who – who get it and respect the who respect the space, mm-hmm. and then of course you have the little ones that are like, you know, they need JoJo Siwa. Yeah, yeah. And I think for a lot of them, like they won't get it right. until they start performing on their middle school stages yeah. or their church stages. You know what I mean? For a lot of them, they started at like one of the highest stages mm-hmm. in this area yeah, that you can perform on. Whereas, yeah, you know, whereas a lot of performers start on those church stages, those middle mm-hmm. school stages. I know that's I where I started. Yeah, exactly. In a basement. Like, you know, so to start there until they get to a point where they are doing theater consistently right. in smaller stages and smaller areas, not that there's anything wrong with no, those no. spaces. We were currently in one of those spaces. Mm-hmm. But we are one of those spaces. Exactly. Yeah. But the Maryland Theater is the Maryland Theater. It's yeah. it is beautiful. It has the capability of seating so many people and giving actors the opportunity to perform in front of so many people. Now, Alicia, you were a part of both um, record-breaking casts uh, for mm-hmm. uh, for Authentic Community Theater with Grease and then mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast. I mean, you've been on that stage with a thousand people staring at you. Yeah, uh, I think I think it was nine hundred and eighty, but um, you know, you add yeah the the ushers, it was close to a thousand people. Sure. I mean, what do you think? What what do you think the kids? How would they react if that was them and they were on stage with? All of those seats, seats filled, the balcony filled, the, the box seats filled. I mean, do you think that's what they need to, to, to understand how massive that is? Maybe. It's, I mean, that's an intense feeling. Like, I yeah. just, yeah. That, when, when we did Grease, that was, I mean, I can't remember. When we did Annie, like, I have no idea what, like, our sales were, ticket sales and stuff. So I don't recall, like, what the audience size were. We guys were. did four shows. We did four shows, yeah. yeah. And I think total it was, like, 1,200 tickets through Yeah, maybe shows. something like that. Um, but, yeah, there was just something, like, about, there's something about the energy. Like, you can just feel, like, that. Like, just the whispers, like, that are across the audience and the laughs and, you know, the comments and the cat calls that come out when you walk out as Sandy at the end of the show. <laughs> There's just something about that energy that was me that's... The whole pro- time, was it? Or as yeah. Lumiere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just something about that, that huge number of people. Now, with the kids' show... Holy cow, like all those kids. I don't know how they focused because I was back in the tech booth like having a panic attack the oh, entire time. Oh, you did have your all the, Well, okay, so there was that, like the hitch and the whatever was going on. Oh, with the, man. Thank God for Caleb. Like he jumped over and did, I don't know what he did, but he like shifted music. There was like all kinds of things going on, but. Um, all sound pro. They're pros. I know, man. It's good for them. Um, but like the murmur of children, there's nothing I hate more as a teacher than when people are talking while I'm talking Mm -hmm. or teaching, I don't deal with it in my classroom. And so to hear the, and then like three times a mom would like bring their kid and stand right behind the tech booth with their screaming kid. And I'm sitting there and I'm like looking at Jeremy. I'm like, dude, I can't focus. (laughs) Like I'm trying to follow the script. I'm trying to listen to the kids. 
I was waiting. Gonna go away. I was waiting for you to stand up and be like, "I will wait until you're quiet." Because as soon as the, the, yes. the on track played again, you just hear the like you said the oh my, what's happening back there? Oh my! Yes. And then what people don't realize is, is naturally whenever you hear more people talking, you get louder. So then it goes from like this whisper to like yeah, a, a dull a roar. roar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just keeps getting. I was. I think that would be funny. You'd be like, I will not play the first song <laughs> until you are silent and ready. Just like, just like as a teacher. But I mean, that was it, it. Was it was incredible to see? But yeah, I I was sitting back there, and it was that you know none of them are my kids. You know, it, I don't have any children, but you know, sitting back and having that proud dad moment where you're like. Holy crap, they did this in two weeks. Yeah. That was the moment for me. I don't know whose parent it was, but someone was sitting right in front of the tech booth. And at the end of the show, they just stood up. This was like after bows and everything. And they just Stop said, they just said, like, man, in two weeks. Yeah. And I just looked at Jeremy and I was like, yeah. in two weeks, Jeremy. Like, yeah. It was like, I forgot that we just spent two weeks doing that. Yeah. But I've said this the entire process. I said it multiple times. I think I even said it to you, Tim. I don't know that a cast could put on a show any better in 12 weeks or 13, however long it is, than those kids did in mm-hmm. that two-week period. I agree. Period. And I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Now, John, you, your your son played Kristoff in the show. I mean, what was it uh, What was it like as a father sitting there? You know, you, you, you saw him, you know, working on his lines on family vacation, and you drove him to the theater every day at, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, whatever. And then he was there all day and then went home and practiced some more. And I mean, what was it like as a father to see that accomplishment as you sat back and saw your son perform this full blown musical in just two weeks? So, you know, going into it, you say, wow, two weeks, that is not a lot of time. Okay. And I look at him and he's 13 and, you know, 13 year olds can be a little squirrely sometimes. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I didn't tell him to pull out that script on the beach. He packed it himself. He right. pulled it out himself, and he's like, "Dad, you want to run lines with me?" And I'm looking out at the water, and I look over at him, <laughs> and I'm looking out at the water. I'm like, yeah, okay. And Be a good said, dad or enjoy vacation. Yeah. I so I sat down and we we ran the whole show twice right there on the beach. Um, and you know, many times he'd be like, "Dad, I'm taking a shower. Can you run lines with me?" Or you know, dad. Uh, you know, just through the door or, you know, driving them home because I got to the point where I knew all the lines. Dad, I'm taking a shit. Can you come here? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite get that far, thankfully. But, um, you know, give it another week, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, but it was cool to see the dedication. And then he'd, you know, do the seven hours, get home, and throw on the movie and, and watch the movie. Be watching Kristoff or thoughts oh on gosh, characterization or... You know, inflection or whatever, and really study it. And then, you know, when he gets up on stage, he he's gotten to the point now where he's taller than I am and mm-hmm. bigger, even though he's only thirteen years old. But um, so I show him who's boss, though, Johnny. But, oh yeah, well, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was definitely that proud father moment. Um, when he's up there and he comes out and the little girls in front of me squeal, it's Crystal! <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that was a really, really cool moment when he first came out and he's in his costume and he starts giving his lines. And to have seen him go, like, his first show of act was The Wizard of Oz. Was he was a, a lollipop guild kid. Oh, I and, have some stories uh, about that for you that I don't know if you know about. Oh, boy, okay. Um, <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> but, he was a lollipop kid. Yep. With his squeaky little voice and everything, everything, right. And he's come a long way where he can, 
appreciate character development and ask questions about mm -hmm. character development that you know maybe I didn't even think about. And it's cool seeing how he has picked up on these things through all of these shows, through all the classes that he's taken with ACT and, and through mm -hmm. school too, and uh, and where he's come. It's and and it's it's been incredible to watch Gideon grow. I mean, I, I got to direct him in his first show, you know, and that was that was just so much fun. Um, I will say, we still, I still, anyway, as well as some others, still pick on Gideon and uh, um, Emma for for the the cast photo mm -hmm. where Emma was just kind of laid back on him, and yep. you know, Gideon had like three or four girlfriends in that cast. It was absolutely hysterical. Um, but uh, it was it was. Uh, that's still yeah. my favorite picture. You have you have Emma that's just kind of laid back on Gideon with her hair tossed over, and Gideon's just kind of standing there, just you know, giving his Gideon face. We're just like, these are fifth graders. But it was it was so much fun. But then to see him there, and then you know, the last time I had the opportunity to actually direct him was when he played the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, mm -hmm. and and that growth is there, and and asking those questions, I think we. We almost don't expect it from our kids to bring those up. You know, we kind of try to spoon feed them or spoon feed them as much as we can and give them ideas. And but we we really don't expect them to be like, hey, my character does this and this. Why is it that they're going from this to this? Like for example, just take Prince Hans for example. Mm -hmm. You know, why does my character go from this sweet loving guy to this right. kind of a psychopath? And mm -hmm. and within like you said last week, in one line. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, so it, we don't expect the kids to ask that. And when they do, I know I get excited. Yeah. Right. You know, there's there's been so many conversations. One of my favorite things about directing is having those long conversations with my actors and saying. Let's talk about this. Why do you think this is what this is going on? Why do you think your character is doing this? And to have that with a, a 12, 13 year old is fun for yeah. me. You know, to, to see it because I'm like, wow, you're getting you're understanding that this is more than just words on paper that you say. Right. Which is really neat. Um, and I also think with, with the two week intensive specifically, um, I think at first it's a culture shock of an idea of, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to camp. And then they get there, it's What's like, hey, let's go. Get, <laughs> yeah. Let's get to work, right? Um, now, did, did you see a lot of that where the kids were just kind of like they wanted to play? They were like, oh, I just want to, you know, hang out with my friends. And then, you know, we crack the whip on them a little bit and have to, yeah. you know, show them like, no, this is work. Yeah, and, I think and, I exhausted them mm -hmm. because I, I mean, knowing I only had two weeks, I came in like over-prepared and I was ready to like grind you even had your microphone i do i teach with a microphone for anybody who is, uh, <laughs> is wondering what talking about i call yeah. my britney spears microphone <laughs> my kids at where i teach know about the britney spears microphone getting um, just told me that i need to get one you do it's yeah. amazing no i had vocal nodules a couple years ago so i'm very like mm -hmm. cautious about you know overuse of my voice and i do it more so talking because i'm a loud talker mm -hmm. than i do as a singer um but anyways yeah i have a microphone and i mean i came in and we, I mean, I think my first session was two hours, wow. which is insanely long to teach any child for mm -hmm. that amount of time. But I didn't waste a second. I was mm -hmm. like, we are going, we don't have time. Like, and I mean, we were, we were pushing it. And so there's a couple of times I'd look out and they were just like, huh? like, <laughs> I'm like, this is only day one. Like, you better strip <laughs> it because we do not have time to mess around. I needed them to know, like, you got to get this done as soon as possible, we got to get all this music in it, you know, in the least amount of time as possible. 
so that I can start correcting things. Mm. And honestly, with, with the Frozen Junior music, there are minor keys, there are funky time signatures. Oh my gosh, some of that music was all over the yeah. place. Right, it's not like just a happy little twinkle twinkle little star. Right. This is, and, and I mean, even the lyrics are... I dreaded the day that we had that we finally got to Huga mm-hmm. and Fixer Uppers. Fixer Uppers just so fast mm-hmm. in certain parts, like to get all those words out. Luckily, the kids already kind of knew that song. But Huga, I sat at the piano during a break for like an hour, just like plunking out. And there's not even harmonies in that song. It's just the intricacy of how the notes move. When you look at the sheet music, and there are it's like you know, a dozen naturals and sharps and flats right there yeah. in you know two measures, it's right. And for someone who's not, I am a I am a singer. I teach a lot vocally, like just by sight reading parts vocally to my students and stuff. Um, and I can play piano, but it's not my primary instrument. My voice is my primary mm-hmm. instrument. And so I'm like sitting there, and I told the kids on day one, I was like, I will mess up on the piano. You may laugh for a second, and then we move on with our lives. Like, it's okay. I'm going to do it. Just get over it. I will teach you music. You will be successful. I will make sure of it. But I'm not a phenomenal accompanist. I'm not an accompanist. I'm just not an accompanist. So. And I think, I think you know, was it, uh, was it that moment, or was there a moment, rather, when you got to look at, at them and be like, okay, they've gotten over the I'm tired, I want to go outside and play, to the I'm ready to work, let's get this done. Was there that moment of excitement, that moment of shift where they're like, okay, we're getting this? Yeah. I think later in the week, we finally got to a point where, like, you know, Jeremy and I looked at each other and we were like, we're done. Like, we're done with the initial, like, here's this, this is new material for you. We got to that point probably like Thursday or I think by Thursday. It was Thursday, yeah. We were pretty much like winding down, like we had gotten through anything. I think Megan had a couple more numbers to run through and clean up, but um, we had kind of gotten to that point and then it was just like, all right, we're running stuff now. Like this is the zit. I think by Thursday afternoon we were running and cleaning and Friday we did running and cleaning all day. And then we got to the Maryland theater. I think it was, I think it obviously becomes more real there when you're there Mm -hmm. because you're on the stage. So Mm -hmm. that's wonderful. So again, the two week intensive program with authentic community theater, those tickets go on sale every January for registration. Make sure you register your kids for that intensive. It's incredible. We take 40 kids every year. Um, There's some uh, pretty big shows that are getting thrown around and some ideas are getting thrown around for next year that I'm very excited about. I may not be a one and done director if the one comes through, who knows? I'm gonna be fighting uh-huh. Jeremy for his job. But uh, very some very exciting things that are coming up. I think I think one of the best things was all those kids seeing uh, seeing them walk out of the theater, uh, audience members that were kids telling their parents that they want to do that. So parents, That's give awesome. your kids an opportunity. I, I promise you, take that crutch away from them and see what your kid can do. Because that's the one that's the one piece of feedback we get from a lot of parents who don't sign their kids up is that's a lot in two weeks. It is a lot in two weeks, but your kid can do it. Just give them the opportunity to. Yeah. Again, registration, go to www.actforall.org to stay up to date, sign up for our newsletter, and know when those registrations open. Yeah, John. And there, there's one one final thing that I just want to throw out there as, as a parent. Mm-hmm. All right, when they go in as a kid and they have to do an entire show in two weeks and they realize, oh my goodness, this is going to be work. How are we ever going to get this done? Like after that first rehearsal, you know, the kids were all saying, how are we going to get this done? 
Mm -hmm. After the two weeks, when they did get it done and they know that, wow, if I work really hard, I can accomplish great things. Right. That's a huge lesson and self-confidence boost for that kid right. that they don't get many other ways. So as a parent, you know, yeah, it's fun for them, but developmentally, that's huge as well. And I'll be the first one to say it. Uh, this, this isn't praise of, it was an incredible show because it was, oh, it was two weeks and their kids. No, this was a good damn show. Yeah, this was yeah. very yeah. well done, and it I think it looked good. On oh yeah, stage. it looked it incredible. Looked really Everything good. was fantastic, and I think anybody who's known me for long enough would be the first one to say if we did a show that wasn't up to par, I've done it. Right. Um, I have no problem saying, like for example, when we did Lay Miz, I wasn't happy with the final product. Um, I said it was good, but it wasn't as good as it could have been, and it wasn't anybody in the cast fault. It was our director's fault at the time. Um, I've <laughs> to, <laughs> I don't care. I've said it openly for, for the last... How, how long ago was, was Les Mis? Three uh, years ago? Two years ago. Two years, two years, years ago. ago next week. I've been saying it for two years, and I, I, it's, it's the truth. So, I mean, I, and the kids, I, I'll, I'll say the same thing if it's there, but this was a good damn show. Um, if, if you would have... I think if you would have told the parents that we've... Or the people who weren't involved in the camp that we've been working on that for... Or we didn't tell them, rather, how long we've been working on it. They probably they would probably have guessed we spent about three months working yeah. on that. I, I really do believe so. And it was a, it was a great show. Uh, kids, if you're listening, congratulations. You didn't get a full standing O, so no pot in Mr. Robbie's face. I'm sorry, you're going to have to get over that. Uh, maybe, maybe next time. But, hey, guys, we're going to take a short break here, and we're going to come back with a very fun topic you don't want to miss. We're going to be talking about backstage and on stage blunders as actors and stuff that we've done so stay tuned we'll be right back with you ladies and gentlemen we are back with our second half of the show and we have a very fun topic to get into there is nothing like live theater where literally anything can happen at any time uh and i'm reminded about our conversation we had with uh jeff clicey uh last week uh, where he talked about when he went to the Family Opera on tour at the Kennedy Center and everything was going wrong, candles falling down, the special effects not working, like the chandelier and all those things. Again, live theater, anything can happen. Every, everyone does everything they can do to be prepared so it doesn't, but you just can't account for what can go wrong in a moment's notice. You can't account for everything. So we're going to go around the room. We're going to talk about some of our fav favorite blunders, whether they were on stage backstage or whatever um, during some of our favorite shows. I want to start with our guest, Alicia, because I know you've had uh, some fun. I know we were scene partners, and I had a big old blunder with you. Um, but uh, Alicia, what was what were some of your favorite blunders that, that you've been through as an actress? Um, I don't know if personally I've had any massive ones. I know during Greece, the very first night of Greece during summer nights, I just missed a whole entire line of a song. <laughs> like, you know, Danny and Sandy are going back, summer loving, blah, 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 da, da, da. they go back and forth. And there was just this whole line that I, I didn't sing. And I also didn't realize that I even missed it until I heard Dustin sing like the echo part. And um. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just totally did. You were just so life. in the moment. Yeah, I was like grooving on top of a table, and so I did. That. And then Brittany came up to me after the show. She's like, "Hey, when we record tomorrow night, can you not miss that line?" So I was like, 
I said, oh, I was really hoping nobody noticed. Because <laughs> I, I didn't even notice at first. Well, when doing a show like Grease, especially when there are literally millions of people who can quote the entire exactly. movie start to end to pay their hard-earned money yep. to see Alicia Stow fumble song. an entire line of the song. You yeah. know how many people were out there going, I could have done Sandy better. I wouldn't have missed that. Oh, moment. yeah, I'm sure Probably women, they were. women in their 90s. Uh, remember those folks that came? Uh, those those older ladies, I'm not going to say they were in their 90s, but they were definitely senior citizens in their pink ladies' jackets. Do you remember them? I don't. I never was out in the audience very much. So. Oh, it was, I don't it was doubt that the there coolest, were. It was one of the cool. They came dressed to the nine. They had somebody with the Frenchie big old, the big old Frenchie pink Oh, glasses. you know what? I do remember that now. That I was, do. It was, it was one of the cutest things ever because they had to have been like maybe five or six when Greece came out. Um, you know, and, and they had gotten <laughs> older through the years and still living their best life. So what else? I know that's not the only one. What else happened? No, there was a part at the end of Greece too, where we hadn't practiced like putting on the leather jacket, like Sandy gets her like leather jacket at the end. And I remember our director, we, we didn't practice it. We'd never used it. And the first show, someone just came out and handed it to Dustin. And we're in the middle of the scene, and he's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because we had never practiced it. And the director's over on the side, like, motioning, like, put it on her. Put it on her. But I was so sweaty and hot, and it was, like, a really tight rubber jacket. So I was just trying to get – it was just not good. And then I'm pretty sure, like, we were late on a cue line or something for a song because we were too busy, like, trying to, like, get me into this leather jacket. So that was cute, but – I remember in high school, this one, and this actually wasn't mine, but I was a, I was in Fiddler on the Roof in high school, and there was, we had used these really old barn benches that we had borrowed from someone, and I don't remember which night of our show it was, but if you've seen Fiddler, there's a scene where I'm pretty sure it's Tevya and Hoddle, are, Hoddle is getting ready to go on the train, like, and she's going away to marry Perchick, I'm pretty sure, if I, it's been a long time, but... Um, and they're sitting on this bench and they're having this really intimate, vulnerable moment. It's very sad. He's saying goodbye to his daughter. And I played Zidal, so I wasn't in this scene, but I was standing on the side watching. And they get up and they're getting ready to hug each other. And out of nowhere, you see this massive, yellowy looking centipede thing. And I mean, it was like huge. And it had been living in these old barn benches. Oh, no. And Tevya has no idea, but it is crawling up his <gasps> shoulder. Nope. <laughs> and he's having like this real like serious, intense moment. And Hoddle is supposed to hug him. Ten. But she is like <laughs> severely hesitant. <laughs> I wonder why. She's supposed to be crying and she's like trying not to laugh, but she and, and he's like, What's going on? Like he doesn't understand why she's hugging him. And so I guess like I, I don't know if she hugged him or not, but blackout occurs. They go off stage and the the tech did not mute the mics quick enough. So it happens. All of a sudden, you you hear Hoddle saying, "Take your jacket off! Take your jacket off!" And then you can hear him saying, "Why are you acting like this? We're supposed to be sad." And then she's like, "This bug!" And there's just this whole dramatic scene happening backstage, stomping occurring, the jackets flying off. So I just that one. That, thankfully, that wasn't my moment, but <laughs> it sure was interesting watching it from the wing. Um, yeah. 
That's amazing. John, what about you? Oh, boy. Okay, so well, I I started talking about this one last week, actually. Uh, So, It's a Wonderful Life, Uh right? I was the brother of the main guy who had gone off to war, and at the very end of the show, George is there, the whole family, they're all happy, and then the brother comes in straight from the war, and he has this old book that this guy gave to him, and it turns out it's from the Angel Clarence, and it's got this inscription on the front. And he hands the book to George, George opens it, reads it, and the curtain falls. You know, that's the end of the show, big, big ending. So, leading up every single time we had ever run this show, one of the people from uh, the backstage crew had come back and always said what scene it was for every single scene. And so I was sitting in the back, and I'm reading a book, listening, you know, waiting for the girl to come back and say what scene it was. And it had been a while, like a long time, since anybody had come back. So, you know, I go and I put the book down. I mosey out backstage to see what's going on. And I see everybody on stage just hugging each other and looking absolutely frantic. And I realized that somebody, you know, hadn't come back and said that it was that scene. And so I grabbed the first book that I saw, which just happened to be the stage manager's script in an electric blue plastic binder. (laughs) Keep in mind, this takes place during World War II, so good times. Run out on stage, and everyone looks at me, and they have daggers in their eyes. And, uh, you know, I uh, give my line, and everybody finishes the show. We get off. And then the yelling started, and they were very, very upset. Apparently, they'd been out there for over four minutes just <gasps> hugging each other, oh. saying, this is wonderful. <laughs> I love you so much. It's so great. I'm like, oh, boy. So I didn't put that down for a while. Um, that ultimately was my fault. That's um, amazing, though. I yeah, love that. yeah. Then there was a time that uh, we were doing a duet. Uh, uh, I can, anything you can do, I can do better. And it was part of a Broadway review. And the two of us walked backwards off stage. Well... I feel like I can see where this is going. Up until this point, there had been this insert on the stage where the stage kind of had this apron off of the front of it, and then it was the regular stage. There was this this corner that was open uh, that had been filled in with, with wood. You could walk over it, and I just walked right across it for every single rehearsal and performance we'd had until it wasn't there. And I didn't know it wasn't there. And so I'm, you know, we're, we're singing to each other, backing up off stage, you know, holding this long note, because any note you can hold, I can yeah. hold longer. And then, oh, and then I'm on the floor. <laughs> so it was like, ah. Yeah, and this is a <laughs> six-foot-tall stage. Um, so I, I, I fell and hit uh, a part of my anatomy on the edge of the stage going down. Oh, man. Um, yeah, oh. not so much fun, but, you know, Crawled backstage real quick and recovered and was out the next song. So oh. life, life moved on. But um, yeah. but in that moment, life stands still. Ooh, that <laughs> was Tim, what about you? Oh, I have so many. Oh, I too. I am like notorious for messing everything up. Um, <laughs> so uh, in West Side Story, you know how. Um, your character Riff was supposed to stab Bernardo. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was the one that was in charge of holding the secondary knife, the one that uh, Bernardo actually gets stabbed with, and I forgot it three nights in a row, like oh. three tech rehearsals in a row. Um, awesome. 
So I forgot it once. The one when, Wilson stabs him with, right? Yeah, the one that the one that yeah, Tony Wilson, Tony Wilson was pissed. Yeah, the one that uh, Wilson as Tony uh, stabs him with. Um, I forgot it once at the act building and said, okay, I'm not going to do that. And then at the Maryland Theater, I did it again. And then I did it Thursday. So the first night that I actually ever handed him the knife correctly was the night of the show. And so everyone was kind of like, is is Bernardo going to die tonight? (laughs) Are we going to be able to push the plot or is Tim going to absolutely mess it up? Listen, I will say that (laughs) Wilson's the nicest guy ever. But he literally asked me in the car one night after rehearsals, we were driving back to my house. He goes, is Tim ever going to fucking give me the knife? Like, are we ever going to get that? <laughs> yeah, just like the, and, and the, the best part, the best part was so Maydean, who played anybody's, joined the huddle late during the Tonight Quartet. And oh, screw that song. The Thursday, the Thursday tech performance, she joins the huddle. And she looks at me, and I have the look of panic on my face. So she mouths the words, what's wrong? And I, I mouth the words, I forgot the knife. <laughs> so afterwards, uh, she was like, she looked at me and went, so did you go poop? <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I said, what? I said, I forgot the knife. <laughs> she was like, oh, I thought you said you had to poop. And I was like, no, man, I said that I forgot the knife. Like, I needed you to <laughs> Like, I needed you to go get the knife for me. <laughs> How does that equal? Oh, lip is hard. Yeah, yeah I get it. I get it. Knife, poop, Yeah. Um, on top of that, um, I almost fell off the Maryland Theater stage one time. We were doing Oklahoma, and we were doing the Act 2 opener, Farmer and the Cowman. And we did this thing where we all, we went in, we went into the circle, and then we went out of the circle, and then we went into the circle, and then the, ne- the last time we went out of the circle, we were supposed to, like, clap and, like, ball change, like, backwards. So I was just having a really good time. That was my favorite number in the entire show. And I'm I'm just clapping and ball changing my way backwards, and uh, one of our dancers, Kaylee Barnhart, grabs my arm. And I turn around, and I'm at the edge of the stage, and I was just going to keep going. But she grabs my arm, and I'm just like, woo! As as somebody who has fallen off the edge of that stage in the front, it does not feel good when you fall down and hit a metal barricade Mm -hmm. and then chair. It's not a good time. I I, I, I been building a set, or like putting the set together at one point. Oh, okay. Um, So uh, I didn't do it on stage, but yeah, I've fallen off there. Hit my uh, hit my knee off of the the metal gate that protects from the yeah. pit, and then after I hit the knee, I fell down and hit my neck off of one of the chairs. Luckily, it was the actual cushion, like the, the seat mm-hmm. part. It wasn't an armrest, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel good. That would have sucked, Tim. Yeah, no, it would have been horrible, but uh, it was fun. Still it my favorite. Really, it's still my favorite number. It would have well, been a really funny story, though. Tim, I am not Later. letting you get out of. The gold pants. Oh, I oh I have I have a few blunders as far as costumes go. I was just I was just waiting. I was seeing where the conversation took us. I'm not, um, I'm not moving until we get to okay. this. So before I talk about the gold pants, I gotta talk about the donkey costume um, because this was horrible. This is I tell everyone this is the second worst costume I've ever worn, second to the gold pants. Um, but so our, I did Trek the musical and I played donkey, uh, my senior year of high school and our director decided that we were going to get the national tour costumes. We weren't going to have any sets, any props really, but we were going to spend all of our budget on the really nice national tour costumes. And so all the costumes come and everyone's putting on their like fantastic costumes. And then I get mine 
And it is uh, skin-tight overalls uh, that have uh, pouches for the hip, the hip padding cushions. And then you put on a 30-pound fursuit, which was very stale. And then it gets zipped up the back. And then it gets Velcroed in the back. And then you have the hooves on the feet and the hands, which are attached by the tiniest little metal hooks you've ever seen. Like, literally, like, the width of, like, two quarters. And they were rusted. And, like, and like severely bent in. So... Oh, we got your tennis shot. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> once the costume was put on me, I could not move. I, I only had thumbs, and my foot, my foot was, like, halfway off of, a, like, a metal plank. So, I couldn't move. I couldn't, like, hold anything. Um... And so, uh, the Saturday show, I'm in the middle of a show and I'm just going all out. Like I'm just going for it and I get off stage and, um, my, I had, uh, Laura Moxley, if you're listening, I love you and I appreciate you so much. Same for Dakota, Dakota Skibo. They were like the two people that were literally in charge of just making sure I didn't die. And they pulled me aside and they said, Tim. Tim, this is bad. I was like, what's wrong? And they were like, your entire sleeve ripped. Because this thing was like skin tight. You really could not move in it. My entire like armpit sleeve had ripped. And I was wearing a white t-shirt underneath. So like I'm in a full donkey costume. And then there's just like a giant white t-shirt. So I had like one person redoing my makeup. One person sewing my arm. Like sewing my arm shut. And the other person just like trying to fan me down. Yeah, no, it was it was miserable. I will never put it on again. And then I and then I saw another production of Shrek the Musical where he was in like like a onesie, and it was so comfortable. Whenever we did Shrek, whenever we did Shrek, Chrislyn was in a onesie. I'm like, I'm like, where is the onesie? Why did I have to have a realistic fursuit? It just it just didn't make sense. They wanted you to really know what a donkey truly felt like. But yeah, my biggest blunder is these gold lame pants. Yeah. So when yeah. when when I found out that I was cast in Beauty and the Beast, one thing that I was the most excited for was the costume because, you know, Lumiere always has this really extravagant costume and I'm not here to say anything negative about the woman who costumed this show, but she's <laughs> I all opinions she's aside, not she's not Britney Soto and and I, for me personally, that is the worst costume that any costumer has ever put me in. Like, I felt genuinely uncomfortable, and I'm going to tell you why. So, um, <laughs> gold lame pants are very form-fitting. Um, they're very, like, you know, they're flat and they're shiny. So... And reflective. And reflective. <laughs> so, if, if they're not sitting on a flat surface... Um, <laughs> If they're not sitting on a flat surface, you're going to be able to see every single little detail. Like, my entire... If any of my Act Junior kids are listening, please close your ears. Like, my entire penis. So, um... So, I got the costume the day that we went to deliver invitations to Make-A-Wish Kids. Oh, my God! So... So there was no time. I put on those pants the first day, an hour before we had to get on the bus and go. There was no time to say, hey, my entire crotch is out for the world to see in every detail. For the Make-A-Wish Kids. <laughs> for the Make-A-Wish Kids. I was 
so hundreds and hundreds of pictures of us giving these invitations yeah, to the Wish yeah. Foundation kids. So, um, so yeah, so um, <coughs> long story short, uh, we get to the we get to the show, and I say, I say, <laughs> we get to the, what what's happening. <laughs> You're talking about your penis and said, long story short. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Act Junior Kids, stop listening! Future employers, stop listening! <laughs> suggested that I get a dance belt. I said that I didn't have enough time to get a dance belt, nor did I know where to get a dance belt. Um, yeah, like, I, so I asked her, I said, could I layer two pairs of underwear on top of each other? And would that work? And she said, yes, she lied. Um, so uh, the day of one of the shows, um, I put my arms up right before Brittany Atwater sang, uh, you know, Tale as Old as Time, Beauty and the Beast. And three separate people in the audience whistled. Um, and my one was like an old lady. Yes, lady. and my my friend was sitting behind said old lady, and she leaned into the person next to her and said, "I can see his penis." Um, and that was a lot. Uh, and so I can really just cap this story off by saying that um, my friends May and Beth went and um, rewatched some like highlight reels from Be- that production of Beauty and the Beast. And they said that they got, they got about uh, five minutes into that video before they've already counted uh, forty crotch shots <laughs> where it was visible. Uh, anytime I turned to the side, it was like, oh god. So yeah, that was unfortunate. And I Kelly never said anything. Never about said anything. I th- I mean, she had bigger fish to fry, but like, God, God, <laughs> God, if I was not uncomfortable. So yeah, if you're a costumer, like. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not even trying. Like, no, but, and and the reason why this makes me so, like, mad is because, like, when we did Oklahoma, when I loved the costume that Brittany put me in for Oklahoma, I wore these, like, very thin brown overalls. And when I put them on for the first time, I tightened the strap way higher than it needed to be. And I walk in, and the first thing that Brittany says to me is, they look great. You need to loosen the straps. I can see your penis. And that is what a costumer should do. I don't want to go on stage and, like, show all that stuff, you know? Well, and this is this is now Not yet. To, Maybe uh, if I audition for a show that we have coming up. But. Th- this is now a... He's talking about cabaret. Uh, this is now uh, a, a PSA for any producers out there. Uh, hiring a good costumer is very important. Yes. Uh, if you don't want to turn Beauty and the Beast, a beloved Disney children's story, into a um, adult film. It's a bad idea. Um, yes, so please. just keep those things in mind. All right, is it my turn for the blunders? Yes, go for it, go for it. Right. Um, so I'm going to go with the most recent blunder um, that I think I had on stage, which was with Jeremy. We talk about it all the time. Um, I was playing Santa. Um in, in our production of uh, uh, The Elf, or excuse me, production of Elf, the musical, sorry. And uh, we were supposed to go to the Empire State Building. Um, this was, I think, probably the <laughs> fifth show or sixth show over the course of three days. Um, and uh, I decided we were going to go to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> instead. 
Um, I don't know why, um, but I just remember Jeremy looking at me with the blankest stare <laughs> and just like like such disappointment looking at me. And I wanted him to go, all right, looks like we're going to France. Give me a baguette. But he <laughs> and he just, he, he kindly uh, glided right over top of it like it didn't happen, which I always appreciate when I, when I have my blunders. I probably um, would have never even noticed that. Oh, no, everybody noticed. Oh, yeah. Every, everybody noticed. Everybody backstage noticed because they all just, I could see their heads snap because I was facing stage right uh. wing. Um, talking to Jeremy, and when I said Eiffel Tower, I literally in in my peripherals saw every head just turn and go, "What the hell did he say? That doesn't make any sense." Um, so there was that one. Uh, there was the one time with the incredible Alicia Style that I was supposed to um, tell her how much I loved her in song. This is um, a very serious moment. And just completely blank. <laughs> looked, looked right at Alicia and went. And just shrugged my shoulders. I, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> and I, I think you started whispering like the lyrics at one point. I don't remember. I, I, I remember the moment. <laughs> I just don't even remember how we reco- like how we recovered from it. I, I, I'm pretty sure you started lipping the the words at me. I went, oh, that's what it is. And Maybe. I just kind of jumped in. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, do, do I keep going? Um, we were doing rent and I was playing Collins and it was the first scene and I promised myself I was going to give myself two mess ups for the weekend. That was it. If I got away with two screw ups, that'd be fine. The first scene of the first night, I, for whatever reason, for the first time ever decided I was going to sing Mark's part <laughs> for no reason <laughs> yes, at you all. Did. It was, um, what, what the hell was the line? Um, Oh, it was it was right before I said I may be detained. Um, don't I keep... Oh, a wild night is not preordained, mm-hmm. which Mark is supposed to say because Collins is is coming. For whatever reason, it just flew out of my mouth, oh. and I was just like, "Crap, I, I may be detained." So and, and Ryan, so did that one. That was so I got half of my screw ups in in the first you know three and a half minutes of the show. <laughs> uh, uh, so that was that was a plus. Um, what else? Oh, uh, during, um, during Hairspray, this wasn't my blunder. This was, uh, Jerry McCarney's blunder. Um, he literally looked at me in the middle of a scene. I don't remember what scene it was, but him and I were talking. He was supposed to say something completely forgotten. It was my, I was supposed to respond to him, whatever the line was. He looked at me, shrugged his shoulders and walked off because <laughs> he couldn't remember what he was going to say. I was just like. I think it was right before Timeless to me or right after or something and just shrugged his shoulders, turned around and walked away. Okay. And just left. I was like, oh, this is cool. We'll have some fun here. Um, God, there's just so many. There's so, and that sounds terrible. Like I run a theater organization that prides ourselves in, in, in the greatness happens, of what though. we do. Yeah. But there, I, I've had just so many of them. I still think one of the funniest ones um, was also in Rent and involves Ryan Smetzer as well. The same exact Oh, night. yes. So you, uh, we open up Act 2. We do Season of Love. Uh, Beth Malone slays that solo like nobody's business. The fans uh, or, or the audience are on their feet. They're yelling. Like, it was it was a great moment. We go off stage. <coughs> we get ready to go into Happy New Year. And Happy New Year is supposed to start with Mark coming out with the <laughs> padlock door. Um, and saying, Panda, the padlock door, whatever, talking about how Benny locked the door and they were going to break in. Well, Ryan walks in with this thing 
And the the young lady that was playing Mimi the first time around, she's not playing Mimi for us this time, just starts in on her song before Ryan can give a line. She was early. Ryan was on time. And Ryan stopped, looked at the audience, and turned around and just walked off stage. Because there was nothing he could do. She had already started the song. And then luckily Dustin being the, the consummate professional that he is, like he didn't come right in. He was like, nope, we're going to wait until we're actually supposed to sing. And now here we go. Um, which, again, would have been an easy fix regardless because we had a live band. So uh, Pompa was, was able, uh, would have been able to fix it. But Dustin fixed the problem. It, it was just a reaction. And, and there's video proof of it. It was one of the funniest, like, facial reactions I think I've ever seen in my entire life with was Ryan just he looked like such a sad puppy dog like oh I don't get my part and just turned around walked off stage so he just walked out with the door and then like walked back off yes. stage legitimately walked out was ready and then turned around, turned around and left or no I don't think he turned around I think he finished crossing he did he, he fully crossed in front of them so he went the whole other way um and then I think my favorite backstage blunder uh, wasn't really a blunder. It was just some mad, crazy drama um, during a show where we had a live pit. Um, there was uh, somebody that was playing in the pit that continuously messed up the same part over and over and over and over again. Um, and the music the, the music director was not happy about that um, because they had spent time um, all week talking about this particular part um, and then they went through it in rehearsal and he did it and then we got on stage and it was right before it was during Christmas bell so it was right before um, um, right before uh, uh, Maureen goes on stage and does her thing and so the curtain drops after act one and we just hear our music director throwing things like he was so irate because he messed up the part and then apparently whenever um the music director made eye contact with the bass player um because he was not happy that the the part was missed apparently the bass player left and that was the wrong thing so the music director was throwing chairs and trash cans and was was not thrilled um nobody got punched though luckily but i mean it's it's one of those things where I think one of the one of the biggest things and one of the most exciting things about live theater is that anything can happen. Oh yeah. I mean it's it's and that doesn't even start. I had to walk off stage an entire scene essentially uh, the first time I did Oklahoma. Um, I was Judd, of course, and Dustin was uh, Dustin Pro was Curly, and there's video evidence of this as well. Um, whenever we shoot, uh, they shoot the guns off in the smokehouse scene, and uh, Ann Eller comes to check what's going on. So we have to, we're, scrump, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're rumbling around and we have to hide the gun and then sit down and play cards was our blocking as if nothing happened. And uh, I bumped Dustin's cowboy hat with my arm as I was coming back to my seat. And me and Dustin have been on stage a lot together and we used to play this game, who could break who? Um, the, the entire show, every show we did, it was who can break who? Um, and he looked me dead in the face and said, hey, watch my hat. And for whatever reason, <laughs> I lost it. I couldn't do anything. The young lady that came in playing Aunt Eller was coming out and giving her lines, and I had to turn my face upstage, and I was just laughing uncontrollably, and she had no clue what had happened, um, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't finish the scene. I was <laughs> dying for some reason. It was, I got him back, though, uh, inappropriately, but I still got him back. 
um, and broke them on stage. But um, you know, it's 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 funny, and, and you know, it's it. I think those stories last longer than the 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 high fives and the kumbayas. Everything went perfect. Oh yeah, for sure. Those fun moments where just something goes wrong, where hopefully the the, the audience did not notice, but they mm-hmm. probably did. But at least you as a cast can kind of still go back and talk. I mean, that one with Dustin was our junior year in high school. So you're talking like 2006. And I still remember as one of the, the, the one of my favorite memories on stage ever um, was at that moment. I mean, is, is there any other ones that you guys want to throw in here before we, before we close out? I had a really bad planned one where uh, it, it, was, it was horrible. So we did our two-week intensive, right? A whole show in two weeks. Well, when I was in seventh grade, we put together a theater group, brand new thing at my, my middle school that I went to in Glenbury, Maryland. And for the entire year, we rehearsed. School for nerds. Only problem was we only got through Act 1. Well, as you know, with a lot of different shows, at the end of Act 1, things are not looking good. Right. right? So the whole premise of the show is the school is struggling academically. They bring in some adjudicators. They're going to close down the school. So they bring in a bunch of quote-unquote nerds. It was the early 90s. Um, And the nerds and the jocks hate each other, but eventually they get together and they save the school. Right. So at the end of Act 1, they're closing the school. Curtain falls. The end, we come out and take our vows because we didn't get to Act 2 throughout the entire year. Oh my gosh. So we took this show that was supposed to be a feel-good show, a comedy thing, and we straight up turned it into a tragedy. (laughs) And the audience is sitting there like... What just happened? Looking at each other. Oh, okay... Oh, great. It's a show about bullying. Oh, cool. And, okay. So, yeah, that uh, that one stuck with me. Yeah, I, I, and, again, it's it's so much fun, and, and uh, um, you always have those nice little laughs. Hopefully, they turn into laughs, and yeah. uh, people can laugh themselves. <laughs> and, um, I laugh. De- I mean, I definitely had a couple where people weren't too happy with me um, and, and had words with me, and... Um, you know, those things happen, but I, I like the ones that are, you can just laugh at and, and, and enjoy. So live theater where anything can happen. Guys, that's about going to wrap us up right about an hour and 20. So I don't want to get into another topic here because we'll go way over our time. Um, but Alicia, thank you so much for coming out and being thank a you. part. Thank you for being a, a, a fantastic music director. Um, a couple things to go over here. Before we sign off, we have some big shows that are coming up here. You have the Glass Menagerie, August 27th through the 29th here at the Black Box Studio. Make sure you get your tickets for that. Tim Vincent, our co-host here, is one of the stars of that cast. And then, of course, we have Sweeney Todd, October 22nd and 23rd at the Maryland Theater. Tickets on sale now at themarylandtheater.com. And then Rent coming back for one night only, November 2nd. Make sure you get your tickets. Those tickets are on sale now. Uh, and then, of course, a whole slew of shows at the Black Box Studio. Brittany Atwater had her first show, uh, or the first show here, uh, just last evening on the 14th. Uh, great audience, a great show. Uh, so if you missed out when you missed out, don't miss out on the next one. Check our website at www.actforall.org for an updated schedule. We have something going on every single week. Again, get your tickets as soon as possible. And then, of course, Casino Night, November 6th. Here at the Black Box Studio, fun. It's going to be a fun night. Um, you're going to you get tickets. We have uh, single tickets and couple tickets that are together that you can purchase. Fifty dollars a ticket or seventy-five for two tickets, uh, which comes with uh, funny money as well as drinks um, and other things. Top prizes include a two-day, one-night vacation 
in the beautiful New York City as Broadway reopens here in just under a month. Um, so make sure you check that out and come out for your chance to win a beautiful uh, vacation to New York City. Hotel and tickets are included in the prize. So make sure you check that out. Guys, you anything else we want to talk about real quick before we sign off? Anything? Cool deal. Let's say peace out, everybody. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week to the At Black Box Podcast. See you next time. Tune <laughs> in.